Hello friend. So this is an episode around fertility. I am very much drawn to this subject matter because I have had a lot of clients that have had this challenge in their lives. And so I'm very passionate about infertility or fertility of being an advocate and ally. And so this episode and the next episode are women, mothers who have gone through that process. I hope you enjoy the episodes. And if you are pulled or drawn or know somebody who is going through this, please, both of these women are happy to connect and share what they know. They're incredible human beings. I hope you enjoy these episodes. I have a new event happening in Clubhouse. If you're not on Clubhouse, I want to invite you to get into Clubhouse. I'll be hosting special rooms dedicated to recover like a mother, and I hope you'll join me there over on Clubhouse. You can find me at Lane Kennedy, and then you can find the house that I've created called Recover Like a Mother. All right, now let's get into the show. Enough of this. Welcome back, friend. How are you? I hope you're having a wonderful moment. You have tuned in to another episode with me. Lane Kennedy, and this is Recover Like a Mother. I'm so excited that you've chosen this time to spend with us. Today, I have a wonderful woman with me, another mother. Yay! And, you know, when I was talking to her before the show, I really started thinking about she's an expert. She's traveled the road of infertility. And although she has a story of recovery in that, She's also doing amazing work around infertility work. And so we're going to jump in. This conversation is featuring her strengths, her story. I'm really excited to share her with you. Natalie, welcome to the show. Lane, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. You know, when we met, I just, I had an instant connection with you because of your energy, your vibe. I was like, I need to know her. I need to know her. What's her story? And when you started to unravel who you were, I was like, wow, what a journey you have been through. And so I would love for you to share that journey just a little bit to give our listeners, to give our friends who are listening, you know, the story of you, what brought you from, you know, being a founder of a luxury, luxury marketing brand into the wellness space and helping mamas, you know, with infertility and having this fabulous blog of Fertilist. Let's, let's get into that. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I always say I sort of fell into fertility or I should say infertility. I got married in my early thirties. You know, I sort of doing my, my dream, right. Which was putting my life travel, career, all of that first. And I just figured that once I got married, I had the option to expand my family and that it would happen the way that it was supposed to. I I never would have imagined that I would have really hit any roadblocks along that journey. You know, textbook says, you know, you get married, you have children, And then you kind of, you know, you maybe have more children. I mean, at least that's what society asks you and people will stop you even strangers and ask you those annoying questions like, oh, are you getting married? Oh, you know, are you having a child? Are you having another child? There's always those 
questions. So for me, when I was married, I just thought it would happen. So we were not not trying and we were not not trying for a while. And all of a sudden I thought, well, nothing is really happening. And maybe there's a reason why it's not happening. And that really occurred when a girlfriend of mine stopped me and said, hey, you know, maybe you should go see my doctor, my fertility specialist, and just make sure everything's okay. And I really hadn't thought that much about it quite yet, but I had been married almost a year at this point. So I thought, okay, you know, that's not the worst idea. So I booked an appointment and that is how I fell into fertility. Fast forward, within four years, I had worked with five doctors across two states, New York and Colorado. I had five treatments, two IUI, three IVF, and a diagnosis of unexplained infertility. My first and second IVFs were non-starters, which means that I never got any embryos out of it to, to transfer, to put them back in, in the first place. And yeah, that was really difficult for me because the first time it happened, I thought, okay, you know, maybe they, this is, you know, they say like the first time it doesn't always work. Right. And so I was like, oh, the second time. And, and I just did the rest of my life. I was working a lot. I was going out to dinners. I was traveling. Like I figured I'm just going to outsource this to a doctor and the doctor is going to help me get pregnant and no one's going to know. No one's going to know about my dirty little secret that this was really hard for me and like, no problem. And when the first one didn't work and the second one didn't work and I was in the middle of a conference, ducked out after my doctor called me and she said, so listen, your second IVF fails. I think we should do another round, a third round together. And if you fail again, I'm not sure that I could help you. And that felt like a combination of her potentially breaking up with me, mm -hmm. right? Cause it feels so close when you're, when you're, you're in it and you're working with a doctor. So intimate, right? So intimate. So I was like, is she breaking up with me? And then part of it was like, you know, what is this like the end of the road for me? Is this like, do I not have any options? And she never once said anything like, well, maybe we should explore these other avenues. It just felt very much like, you know, let's do this one more time. And if not, like it's, it's the end of the road for us. And, and, and I didn't understand what that meant at the time. So I felt very uh, lost alone and crappy. So I, I ghosted her. Because and how long, so I just want to give a time frame. How long were you from the moment of that, your girlfriend saying, well, why don't you see my doctor until the breakup? How long was that? That was probably about two and a half years. First, first, I just want to just needle myself in here because that is a, it's an intimate, such an intimate journey. Did you have support around you as you were going through this? My husband? Yes. But that was really it because- but the infertility at the time was very closeted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it felt very lonely. And I felt so much shame too. Yeah. Like, wow, like what's wrong with me? Like right. what is happening that 
like I am not getting pregnant. So mind you, this was my fourth doctor at this mm. point. And I'd already started again at several clinics. This was then at this point, that was my third clinic between mm -hmm. the four doctors. And I just said enough is enough. So I, I took a break. I took a break to get my head on straight. I realized that I had to really get into the game. You know, and of course this is after like a ginormous pity party. I remember like literally like camping out in my den in New York city and binge watching Netflix for like the weekend and eating a lot of comfort, not great for me food. And I just like lost myself in that. Totally normal. This is such a common, I've worked with many women in the infertility situation and they always come to me in this, the lowest point. It's like a breakdown. It's, it's like the emotional, mental, spiritual of like, what is wrong with me? And when, when I'm working with them, it's, it's literally like I'm holding them in my, in the palms of my hands because it's such a, it's such a tough place. So mama, if you're listening and you have experienced this, we we're here with you. All right, Natalie. Yeah. We're definitely holding space. It's yeah. It, it's so tough. So when you had that, you know, you're falling apart, you're, <laughs> you're eating the junk food. Yes. What, what inspired you to like, just stop. Like what, what brought you to that point of like, I'm, th this needs to change. So part of it is my personality. I never sit in anything way too long. And I, but I let myself sit in it for the first time in a, I, probably the entire process. I let myself sit in it for you know, a couple of days. Right. And I remember by Sunday night, I was just sort of like mad at myself, disgusted at myself for having like sat in it so hard. Like, right. Like my mind was like that you needed that. And then my body was like, you kind of like really like threw more shit at us literally. So I looked at it like, okay, and I'm a fixer in type A. So it's like, what can I do to fix this? There has to be something that I can control during this process, even though everyone is telling me that I can't control something, right? Like there's gotta be something. So I came out of that weekend doing a ton of research, like starting, I shouldn't say a ton. I started my research. I started the online, you know, searching and there was a lot of bad information out there. And I recognized it immediately. I knew that there was some stuff out there that had been terrible. And I had already spent my money on a lot of the ancillary, you know, stuff to do, even if my heart wasn't in it, I was yeah. doing it because mm -hmm. like at one point, if somebody had really told me like, hang by your toenails or two dollars, <laughs> I probably would have done it. I would have done anything like, you know, eat this, eat that. I did it. Like I drank the disgusting tasting teas from Chinatown that I found that I foraged because the doctor told me to go get X, Y, Z, T. I mean, I, I did all this stuff. I did acupuncture not being present in it, but like to do it, I was fitting it in between things. Like, and I realized in retrospect, maybe that wasn't the, the right path, but I digress. So what happened was I started looking at what I could do next to support myself. So I started finding books that I could read and they were very limited at the time, but I found one book that became my Bible. It was called, it is called, it all starts with the egg by Rebecca Fett. And it was sort of that aha moment, like, wow, you know, there are options available. Right. And, 
And there are elements of this that you can control. And she's a biologist. And I felt like a lot of the information that she was presenting was evidence and scientific, scientifically, you know, research proven and, and based. Not all of it was gold standard, but a lot of it was supportive enough that I thought, okay, you know what, this is worth looking further into. And that became sort of my foundation. I realized that I could control what I put into my body, on my body, and to a degree around my body in my home. So I did some, you know, soul searching, deep digging around there. I ended up going to a nutrition school, getting my um, holistic health practitioner's certification so that I would learn about nutrition because I realized I really didn't know much about it at all. I mean, my fourth doctor had told me when I asked her what I should eat to eat a Mediterranean diet. And when I said, what does that mean? Her response was, you should Google it. And I thought, oh, okay. And, and two things, one is, is I thought that, okay, that means that the Greek restaurant down the street (laughs) means Mediterranean food. So I'm going to order takeout from there every single night. Like that Mm -hmm. must be the answer. Uh I did. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, after my studies later on, I realized that roughly 25% of doctors that attend medical school in the U S are educated in the realm of nutrition. And of that 25%, I think that the average is 16 to 20 hours worth of nutrition course load is offered and and given. So that made me realize like, oh, my, my fourth doctor didn't know, didn't want to tell me she didn't know. And so made me just kind of like grasp for, for straws. And I kind of felt stupid. I remember feeling so stupid when she told me to just like Google it. Like, isn't that something, isn't that something how it was a woman? Yes. Yes. Right. It's like, I'm always baffled by this. Of like, I don't want to, I don't want to just tell you that I don't know. Right. Woman to woman. I don't want to just tell you that I don't know. Yeah. And I just had another, I had an MD on last week and we talked about how much nutrition training they get. And it's, it's under that 20 hours. She had only gotten two, I think it was two hours Wow. and she went back and now is getting a master's in nutrition. Like it's incredible how the doctors just don't know, unless you're going to a functional nutritionist there, they just don't know. So I'm so I'm stoked that you empowered yourself because first you've, you're hit with that shame. Yes. Right. That shame is like chemical warfare on the body. Yes. Makes me crazy. So I'm like over here going, party dance, (laughs) but you like move through that so quickly. I started listening to my gut. I also, for the very first time, I found practitioner supporters that actually supported me. I found, and it was almost like the stars aligned for it because it's not necessarily like I knew what I was looking for. I just knew I, I was not looking for what I had experienced that wasn't working and that didn't feel right. So in addition to the learning, I found an amazing healer that I just was led to. And it sounds strange perhaps, but I was just led in her direction and and she's still a good friend. She's amazing. But she was sort of the first one that 
helped me open up and, and talk about some of the things that were a little bit more deeper rooted. And I always say, and she wouldn't love this, but I'm going to say it anyway. She was almost like my um, re-entry into therapy. It was like the therapy that I needed. And I also found an acupuncture, acupuncturist that I love. She's amazing. And she just told me, you know, what I, not what I needed to hear, but what I not what I wanted to hear, what I needed to hear. And what I needed to hear was that come to acupuncture if it feels good for you, not because you're stressed out about it and trying to fit it in. Right. And, and I felt fully supported by that. Like, Oh, it, she's not here for my, my, my money. She actually cares about the outcome. And I started just to, in general, to take better care of myself and my body. I prioritize myself for the very first time. I think a lot of the non-prioritization of myself was wrapped up in personal, like, you know, social conditioning, environment, all of the different things and who I thought I was supposed to be and, and how I thought I was supposed to show up rather than how I innately needed to show up. So I started doing that kind of work too. And I think that the, you know, the groundwork that I had with Elaine, my healer and Daryl, my acupuncturist, like really supported that. And during that time, I started to kind of feel, I felt better. I mean, I just felt like I was getting my body back. I felt healthier than I had maybe ever felt. I felt like my mind just felt more focused and clear mm -hmm. at work. I was still doing, you know, like all of the things, but for some reason, everything felt like very seamless and flowy and even easier than it had. I mean, like yeah. I like thrive on challenge. So, I mean, I was still including that, but I wasn't killing myself for yeah. it anymore. I wasn't prioritizing work over myself and how I was treating my body and my mind. And so a lot of these little shifts happened. And I remember I was sitting at a, a brunch at a press brunch for a friend's launch. And I was seated next to a fancy fashion designer. I remember she was very nosy and she was asking me, you know, if I had kids, if I wanted kids. And I remember in my mind thinking, okay, this is making me really uncomfortable, but I need to talk about this because at this point I thought like, maybe I'm going to do a blog because I feel like I'm very alone in this and I need to find some community. Like I realized that I needed that and the forum stuff that was existing on the web was just really, really creepy. And so I was like, well, like maybe this is my opportunity to start practicing. So I, I, despite the fact that she was really annoying and it kind of like got under my skin a bit, I, I used that as sort of my fuel. And I, I remember saying to her, yes, we are trying, it's not working and I'm going through IVF. And she was like, oh, okay, well, I did too. That's how I had my twins. And she kind of went on of, you know, to tell me a little bit about that. And it was interesting that she prompted me to open up so that she could open up, you know, but at the time I didn't really understand all of that happening. I just felt like, you know, I, I just felt all these different things that I couldn't quite unbox yet. And her and I, you know, she and I shared several doctors in common and she basically told me to stop effing around 
and that I should go see Dr. Schoolcraft in Colorado. And I had told her that I had read about his work in several of the books and you know the, the research and that I was intrigued, but he's all the way in Colorado and that would be very difficult. And she said, oh, but they just opened up like local offices here in New York City and maybe you could do your, your labs here and you can go there for treatment, what have you. Anyway, so she said, give him a call. And so I thought, you know, that's not the, that's not a bad idea. It never hurts to have a phone call. So I called, I made a reserve or a, I made an appointment for a phone consult. And that was three weeks later, we had the consult. I remember we interviewed each other, the three of us, my husband, me and Dr. Spolcraft. And I asked him about nutrition and acupuncture. And I knew that if he told me that I was crazy, that he was not going to be my doctor. And I was very pleasantly surprised when he said, if, you know, if you had shared this with me, you know, 10 years ago or seven or eight, maybe, I don't know, if you'd shared this with me years ago, I would have maybe thought that, but I do think that, you know, good nutrition and acupuncture could play a role in, in, in optimizing. And so I felt validated a little bit and I felt like, okay, he's my person. Yeah. I wasn't looking for a cheerleader. I was looking for somebody who believed in me and helping me get answers and more importantly, getting me pregnant. Like that's where I was like, you know, I was focused and I will never forget. He, he said, I want to try to impress you. I'll do my part. You do your part and let's do our best. And I remember thinking, okay, like I have, I have a partner in this. I mean, that sounds mm -hmm. weird when I say partner, but like I, we, you know, it takes three when sometimes more when it yeah. comes to infertility. So I said, this is our person. So I, I, this was eight months after my last, my second IVF. And so that means that was the like fall, winter of 2016. And I remember I doubled my egg count. Wow. And for the very first time I got two embryos, one was viable mm. and she's now three. Yes. I just got the chills. <laughs> oh, so it, it's Dr. What's his name? Skull Schoolcraft. Schoolcraft. One of the things that I love about your story is that you, you had that moment of total like stress to absolute like bottom of the barrel, that moment of willingness. I have to change. I have to change. And you found that you found that. And then you went after it. And this person, the woman who was sitting next to you, the designer, right? Yeah. I'm just thinking about her and because I used to be in the fashion world. So I'm, I'm very familiar with it. And I'm, I, it's so, it can be so catty. There's like an energy about yeah. th that scene. And I'm just imagining her next to you being like, well, why what's happening? Where are you? Like, I can just hear this conversation and you, you're so super chill on this healing journey and just being like, yeah, mm -hmm. taking it in, owning who you are and going through the process. I, I, I just, I love your story. I love that you picked yourself up and got in touch. Like, I believe that as women, we are super powerful. 
we have this power. And when we tap into a universal power, there's something magical that happens, which I believe something magical happened in your life. Like, I believe, I believe it too. And and I, I don't think that it is something that is anything you can plan. No. Right. Like I, I think it, it's something to embrace and it's not, mm-hmm. it's not fixed and it's not guaranteed. I mean, cause mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if I shared with you, but I did go back to the well and I did do a fourth IVF to try for a sibling. And we did do that between 19 and early 20, just before the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And I did, I did a fourth round of IVF with CCRM New York and you know, great group of people. I'd done my labs there, really like loved working with them as well. And that fourth IVF, initially, you know, it all felt very good. I, I got another embryo. Again, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm like two-ish years postpartum Ugh. at that point. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm older, right? Like, but I yeah. felt like, wow, you know, yeah. I didn't necessarily yield as many eggs, but I had another embryo. And so I, I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm on the right track again. And funny enough, you know, I think I felt like it might be like skiing, like I, to a degree, like, oh, I'll just kind of like do it again. And, you know, I might fall along the way, but I'm going to, I'm going to get there. Like, I'm going to get down the mountain the way that I did before. And it didn't quite work out that way when it came time to transfer, it, it didn't take. And I think that in my heart of hearts, I felt like the timing was wrong. I mean, if I'm like really being honest with you, like I felt like not on that, not on a meta, not from a medical standpoint, like I just felt like the timing for me was wrong. It didn't feel quite right, but I was on sort of a timeline because I had technically been diagnosed with the protein for endometriosis in fall of 2019. And so that delayed my transfer from the fall to early 2020. And, and so I was on three months of an induced menopause, so to speak. And so once you're on there, you like it, like the, the clock literally is ticking in terms of when they, they put the, the embryo back in so that everything is nice and suppressed and low inflammation and all the different things. And it's interesting now because in in retrospect and with the regroups with both doctors, my doctor in New York and having had another one with Schoolcraft, you know, I think they'll both say, well, if you had endometriosis, you probably had it when you got pregnant the very first time. So it probably wasn't necessarily the thing, but we wanted to try all of the things. It didn't take for whatever reason, it just is life. And I think it reminded me that I didn't have the IVF process nailed. And that it was so much bigger, so much than bigger, me, right? Yeah. Right. And then you get into, and then just kind of going back, like I thought, okay, I tackled the IVF part. And then I thought, okay, the pregnancy part for me felt pretty even keel. It was not a hard pregnancy. It was actually a few, like, I loved my pregnancy. Postpartum was really hard for me from an anxiety perspective. Yeah. Yep. And it was the PTSD associated with infertility and all the different things. Like that was really hard for me. I also was reminded of how much I couldn't control and like how just everything scared me. I was so afraid, like 
that I was going to drop her. You know what I mean? That I was going to fall asleep and she's going to fall asleep in my arms and, and I would like drop her. I'd heard all like these horror stories, like, you know, in, in my head, I just, I made myself a little neurotic that way. Definitely. I, I would imagine things happening. I mean, I just made myself a little bit crazy and part of it was the infertility part of it the lack of sleep and part of it was just knowing that I just didn't know and that was hard and that tested me in a different way all over again and it helped me relearn some of the lessons I didn't necessarily learn during my infertility process you know like this this second pregnancy I'm gonna nail this I'm gonna have another child and I'm gonna know what to do this time turns out life is a funny way of saying you're never gonna know so that's that's where we're at now we don't know. I, I I love your story so much. I mean, it, it, a, it, it proves that we don't know. Like, I, I feel like the first time you were definitely tapped in and then you just shared that you kind of weren't on your second, right? Yeah. Like there's a huge I, difference I, I, between I, the two. Yeah. So yeah, like do you, do you so connected in the first half? Yes. And then maybe the second half, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a practice where you tap into that now? I am like trying daily, to like there. a daily routine where you tap into it or you connect with it or, you know, just to kind of stay on your A game. So I practicing letting myself not have all the answers and kind of, I'm definitely practicing letting go in some ways of the things I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm trying to prior get back to prioritizing me. I think that the pandemic put me in a little bit of survival mode versus all of us. <laughs> well, I, I hear these people that talk about like I've been in thrive mode versus survival mode the entire pandemic. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's so great. I'm trying to get back to the place where I feel secure and stable enough. I mean, the, in so many levels shook me to my core and, and it was less the fear of what was going to happen to me. It was more the fear of what's going to happen to the people around me that I love. And that scared me infinitely. And it really made me miss so much of I felt like I was already grateful, but I feel like I'm even more grateful for the things and the liberties and the freedom that we have. Yes. And it feels good. I'm hoping that we're going the right direction, like towards a sense of normalcy again. But after having lived through infertility, I'm not going to lie. I do wonder how long the PTSD of it is going to last. And it also underscores so much of the mental health. So much. So much. Yeah. There, there's so, there's so many layers to this pandemic, like just what you're talking about. And I, this fear, because when the, when the pandemic first hit, I had the same absolute terrified of it hitting me and then leave. And then my son being motherless, like I lived with that for like six months and it really put me like in a bad place because there are so many unknowns. There were just so many unknowns at the very beginning of this. And now, yeah, the fallout here, we are a year later. And it's like what I was doing at the very beginning of the pandemic has had to change. And I've had to 
you know, have a different practice in my life. Uh, I like that you talked about prioritizing me. So what does that look like for you? Let's get maybe a little practical for our mamas who are listening. What are some of the practical things that you do to prioritize you? Sometimes it's as simple as drinking a glass of water with lemon and taking a probiotic in the morning. I mean, as silly as so that. simple, but so hard sometimes, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's sometimes it's sacrificing my daughter being to school two minutes late so that I can, you know, quickly run to the bathroom before I, I leave. I mean, it's silly, silly, small things sometimes but will make me feel so much better, you know, later on. So, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's simple things like taking a a warm shower after my daughter goes down for the night and letting myself, I know I'm in California, Southern California right now, and I shouldn't say this, but letting myself take a half hour long, nice warm shower, I'm sorry. If I'm offending anyone by saying that, I, sometimes it's doing a face mask, right? Like it's just like little small things. Sometimes it's, and this is not like great. And I know people would object to this too, but sometimes it's just like brainless. Like I'm going to allow myself to watch, you know, Bridgerton for two episodes. Yes. (laughs) Even if it's, you know, going to sacrifice my the next day because it's just like I needed it in that moment like it's just it's doing something like fun sometimes it's mindlessly scrolling for you know a half hour and and I'm actually trying to get away from that but I'm just saying that those are the kinds of things I and not feel bad about it later that's that's maybe something I'm working on trying to get away from one and two I'm not feeling bad about and I think it's small acts of kindness to yourself Mm-hmm. You know, allowing yourself to eat the cookie, yes. not every day, but like once in a while, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Eat the cookie. I love those. I love just the probiotic, just that action every day. Can you imagine like, if you just did that, take a probiotic once a day for 30 days, that's okay. such a starting point. And then after that probiotic, why don't you perhaps get a daily vitamin? And then you're taking two, right? Like just yeah. slow little baby steps because as, as moms, we, a, we're doing everything yeah. right. Like that road of the mother's work versus the father's work, <laughs> right. The, the dad goes straight down to work, to office in his, yeah. on his desk. Right. And the mom is like, make the lunch, do the laundry, clean the toilet, plan the dinner, sit down, answer an email, interruption, phone call, right? Like it's It's so, it is not. So everything that we can do to take care of ourselves is, is a winning moment for us. I believe. Do you have a write? Do you have a writing practice? Do you write it all or journal enough? I do journal sometimes. And sometimes my Instagram becomes my journal. Okay. I feel like I, I use that as my, I'm going to get it all out there and notice that sometimes I'm inconsistent as a result on Instagram because of the fact that each post is usually very deep and takes a lot of my time, but you know, I, I, for some reason I love I love the feeling of like writing things out. Like I love my little checklist. I love all this stuff. Yeah. Sometimes if, if the mood strikes me, I love the feel of like my typing. I just, I, I like to write 
Mm-hmm. And that's another form of self-care. Yeah, definitely. And I am lucky. I will say that my husband does the laundry. He does pretty much all of the laundry so that I'm like all there, but getting in the, the vitamin part, sometimes like, you know, I'll forget. And, Cause I always try to keep like a half an hour between you know, my water probiotic and the vitamins. And that doesn't always happen. Cause I'll, I'll have the vitamins with my food, but sometimes it's at night. Like if I fit in it at night, that's cool too. Like I'll take my vitamins, you know, a couple hours before bed. Sometimes I take it right before bed. It's just like how, how I, I get it in and it makes me feel like, all right, I accomplished something. Even if it was like a small um, accomplishment, it's something. Yeah, I know. I did that last night and I don't like to take my vitamins before bed, like my the multi, right? I have a drink that I do. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't do it. And I was like, why am I shitting myself? Just take it. We're so tough on ourselves. But right? I would know what's okay. I, I can imagine that certain vitamins would keep you like would interfere with sleep, right? But like tell me why as, as for the most part, you would not recommend doing vitamins before sleep. It, it, it's how, specifically how for that I don't want to be up in the middle of the night because of the vitamin Bs or something. I don't want to get that little boost of energy or dis- disruption in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I typically do not take them at night. I, I usually take them in at like noon. Okay. Is my good, good spot to take them. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, technically I feel like I, I still during infertility and even now I, I take certain vitamins when I have time to throughout the day, I've gotten really mm-hmm. bad at that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Do you have a full stack that you take? I do. You want to hear them? Yes, I do. <laughs> Let's nerd out. <laughs> I mean, I, I take a prenatal still. I take vitamin D, vitamin C. During the pandemic in particular, I've been taking glutathione very regularly. I used to do glutathione really only during the, the winter seasons or, or if I felt like something coming on. Um, but now it's like a consistent staple. And I also do CoQ10 from time to time, not as regularly as I should definitely during the infertility, Mm -hmm. like retrieval, like leading up to retrieval for a few months. But lately I've just been kind of getting myself back into it just because I like first, I don't know if it's, it's that or the mixture of all the different things, but I feel like that coupled with a good diet makes me feel better. Yeah. Any essential fatties? I'm on and off with omegas. If I'm really candid, I mean, my, my infertility vitamin cocktail that I initially learned about from Rebecca Fett's book. And then later, you know, kind of perfected through the CCRM vitamin cocktail. And then also my own research looked like literally 14 vitamins a day. So I think now I'm down to like five, maybe six. That's really, I mean, if it works for you, that's wonderful. I take about 20. Oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. wow. Yeah. But I, I mean, and that I used to take like 60, so <laughs> it's nuts. So I feel good at 20. Yeah. But whatever, but whatever we can take, right? Like I have immune stuff that happens. So I'm always boosting it with different things and playing with it. And it's particular to where you are and, and yeah. how you feel. And, and, and I'm, I'm very much like diet focused as my foundation yeah. and yeah. to supplement that. And that's something I learned along the way too. I think 
you know, the first part of infertility, I'd heard about some of the vitamins and I kind of just took them. I just took them because like, I thought like, that's just what I was supposed to do. And I was, didn't really change my diet. And mm-hmm. that, so they probably just weren't as effective, to be honest. They weren't also great supplements. They were just like, yeah. whatever I picked up at, you know, the market, the market, or, yeah. you know, GNC or what have you. And not that that's, you know, bad, but you, it, it, people should really know that. I'm going to plug people, pl- please. If you're going to spend money on supplements, please get them from a good source. hundred percent, right. Enough said, like, I'm not going to do a vitamin commercial, but yeah, don't throw your money out at Walgreens for Walgreens or GNC vitamins. Just please, please. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like fillers, like silica, sodium stearate, magnesium stearate, like those kinds of things are are not great. Would you agree, Lena? Yes. No, I absolutely. That's like no fillers. That's perfect. Yeah. Plant-based. I, I, yes. Agree. Where are our mamas going to follow your journey and support you? And perhaps you could support them in their infertility or in their life journey. Where, where do you want to, this has been a lovely conversation. I've enjoyed so much, but I want to make sure that they follow you or can follow you. Where should they go? Thank you so much. I'd love, I loved being here. So I would love to hold space for you. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or if you just want to chat. I'm around. Uh, the best places to reach me are Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Fertilust, F-E-R-T-I-L-U-S-T. And I'm on Clubhouse a lot these days. And you can find me at N Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E. N-T-E-R. And I'm also on LinkedIn. I am happy to connect there. Yeah. Natalie Carpenter, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I think those are probably the best ways. I'm on Facebook as well at Fertilist. I'll be honest with you, I'm not as great on Facebook. Yeah, forget <laughs> Facebook. I just I mean, can't it's great, but there's just a lot of things going on. Yeah, so much. Well, mama. Thank you so much for being on the show with us and sharing your story and supporting the mothers in recovery. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. Mama, may you find something bright, something light and something so delicious that fills you up so you can be the best mama you can be until next time. Thanks for hanging out and listening and being with Natalie and I in this episode. The next episode is also going to be around fertility. I'm really lucky to be spending these episodes with people who have gone through it. And I hope you'll listen and learn from their experience. All right. Make sure you sign up for the next Calm Reset over at recoverlikeamother forward slash reset. Okay. Take care.